Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns insider Kellen Olson joins Burns and Gambo to talk Phoenix Suns basketball. Hey, Kevin. Uh, Kellen Olson, Arizona Sports. Nice to meet you. Welcome to the Valley. Uh, oh, yeah. Can you say it again? I'm Kellen. Welcome to the Valley. Nice to meet you. Courtside with Kellen. Brought to you by Southwest Gas. Committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. All right. I just saw Kellen and Zim, Kevin Zimmerman, walking back in from the podcast studio. So I can only presume a new Empire of the Suns post. All-Star Break Edition will be dropping very soon. Hi, Kellen. Yes? Hey! Yeah, it's content day, baby. Hello. So you were recording one today? Yeah, we have one. It'll be up in a few hours, I imagine. Okay, cool, cool. Um, You wrote an article today at ArizonaSports.com, and we had penciled it in on our show sheet to talk about it a couple of times because it was really, really good. Sweet. And one of the times we thought we'd talk about it with you because you wrote it, and it was about how the Suns can certify elite status after the All-Star break. Do you mind if we run through this point by point so we can talk about the ways in which the Suns can get better? Let's do it. You ready to do this? Let's go one by one. As long as you guys want to, I want to. We do. Um, Stay healthy, number one. And, I mean, that part goes... Without saying, obviously, but I really like the fact that you focused in on Bradley Beal needs to stay healthy. Explain to everybody why his health is so essential here. Yeah, because he's been the guy to miss the most time. And I think that if Yusuf Nurkic misses 10 or 12 games, it would be bad for the Suns in the present. But in terms of like their future outlook and how they gelled as a team, he's been out there long enough now with the team over these 50-55 games where he's been able to build continuity and chemistry with a lot of guys on the team. I think Doreen and Booker to a certain extent have gotten there. Grayson Allen and Eric Gordon have gotten there to a certain extent, but Beal has been the one guy where he hasn't been able to get that time. So I think that much like Durant last year, like you can't have that three to six week injury somewhere in here because I think he really needs this time to gel and and really just start to look like Bradley Beal, Gambo, because in my I, I ranked players in the in the offseason to make sure when I was saying this, I believed it, and I believe it. He's a top 30 player in the league, and Suns fans watching him this year for the first time probably wouldn't agree with that statement. It's there. We just need to see it, and guess what? We see it. He plays like it for six games, breaks his nose. Plays like it for three games, tweaks his hammy. Like I think it was like 40 points, 30, and 27, and then he tweaks his hamstring. It's like he just needs to stay healthy. It's obvious if Booker or Durant go down, they're not going anywhere. Sure. Do you think that they can get to the NBA Finals if either Beal or Nurkic goes down? No. I think they need all, all seven of them. Of okay. their, I, I'll go even further. Like Grayson Allen, Grayson Eric Allen. Gordon, and Royce O'Neal. They need everyone healthy to make it to the Finals. Yeah. Okay. Come playoff time. But but you're mm-hmm. saying in the setup before the playoff, like if, if Durant misses a couple of games here or there, if Booker misses a couple of games here, it's fine. fine. They've all played together enough that you can rev that chemistry back up, but they're still working on that with Bradley. Yeah, Beal. if you pull up the schedule right now and look, though, like the beginning of March would be a bad time for them to miss a couple of games. The end of the last 10 games of the season are really tough. Like there are certain pockets where it would hurt them a lot more in the near side, but the far side, no, I think we're good. And that's what, what the uh, piece was focusing on. All right. So the next thing they can do to certify elite status, according to Kellen Olson, who joins us here in studio, and that is better math. And I'll just set this up by saying, I thought your numbers about how the Suns in their losses, when they lose basketball games, they're still one of the best 
shooting teams in the NBA. They're still one of the best three-point shooting teams in the NBA. Where they lose is that the other team just puts up more shots than they do. And we talk about this all the time. They run into the math problem that is baked in with the turnovers and the offensive rebounds and all those things that give the other team all those extra shots. Yeah, Gambo, it's when you pull up the box score after three quarters and you look and it's like third. Three point makes it's like nine to three, and you're like, ooh, yeah, like that's, that, that's an eighteen point difference. That's really tough. They got to make up for that in this next quarter. Like yeah. you just can't win basketball games like that, or when you're turning the ball over too much, or when you're giving up too many offensive rebounds. And yeah, the numbers you mentioned, I looked up by every team when they lose in games when they lose, all of their numbers and their rankings in those numbers, like. 29th in turnover percentage, which means they're in losses, they're turning the ball over nearly more than anyone else in the league, but they're shooting the ball pretty well in these losses. You look at the Celtics, the Nuggets, other contenders, like they're shooting 32% from three when they lose. It's pretty obvious a correlation there. The Suns, they're top five in three-point percentage among those teams when they're losing. So the numbers just sort of back up what we've been talking about with the math, and I think that to to transition that into another part of the piece, um, I think an easier way for that to happen, let me know if you agree, Gambo, is like going smaller. I think if they go smaller, they'll get up more threes. I think they'll turn the ball over less. The rebounding is where I'm like, ah, maybe you do too much damage there, but I think they got to change up the lineups a bit. Yeah, and it's just matchup-oriented, right? It's always matchup-oriented. Do you feel like they've Vogel has pushed taking more three-pointers. For a long time, they were in the bottom third of teams ta- of the amount of threes they took, and that's where that math didn't work. Have you seen a difference? Do you feel like they're starting to, I don't want to say force more threes, but just take more open threes? I feel like there's been commitment here and there, but it's been lacking and it hasn't been consistent because what do we hear in the sound bites that you guys play on the show the next day after the game? When they play with pace, when they play with threes, what did Grayson, Devin, Kevin, they say, I like how we played with pace. I like how we got a threes. It's one of the first things that they mentioned that they do well, but then there are games when they don't do it and they're like, yeah, we need to do it more. And it's, we're 55 games into the season and we're still talking about this. So it's a problem and they got to change some things to try to fix it because what they're doing right now is not working because if you just give up that, the West is too good, Gambo. You can't just be giving away points like this the way that they are. All right, let's jump ahead since you kind of did a little bit. Um, this was number four on the, the list of things to do for the Suns to really grow to elite status. Explore small ball further. How I, how how much more further do you think they should take it in these final 27 games and how much of it is to Gambo's point, matchup dependent? It ties into our conversation that we had last week following the Kings game and Royce O'Neal and just how he unlocks everything. Um, something Kevin and I just talked about, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Like, Do you think that Royce O'Neal needs to close games for this team? And if you answer yes, or sometimes, who's sitting? Grace Allen's not sitting. The big three are not sitting. That's it. That's what I've got. I'd sit Gordon because I think he's a defensive liability well, out there. In well, it's time. like you would have to either go small or you would have to sit one of the, Yeah, you'd have to sit Gordon, but you'd be at Allen in the big three already. So there's only one spot left, and that's Nurkic or O'Neal, basically. Like, yeah. That's it. So I do think that O'Neal and what he does on both ends of the court really opens things up for them there. Dribble penetration is their weakest part of their defense. That All of those guys, can you, you can go by all of those guys. You can go by Eric Gordon, Grayson Allen. You can go by Booker. You can go by Durant. You can go by Nurkic. It's probably their one weakness is if teams want to attack the basket, they're going to do that. I look at team like the Dallas Mavericks. Remember when they would start Powell at center and then they would come in with Maxi Kleber and then have Dorian Finney-Smith and that kind of, they didn't start 
you know, they would start Powell and just, okay, try to see what you can give me. They wanted to do the same thing with JaVel McGee, come in and start, play, play a little bit, and then we'll go to our smaller lineup. And they had some success with that. My vision is that Warriors game where Draymond just like got the better of Nurkic completely over that stretch. It's like if you play that stretch back two months from now, you would go small to end the game. Now, there was some stuff there where you want to stand by Nurk, let him see out the matchup. There was some extra stuff brewing there, obviously, that factored into the decision, I'm sure. But to the other end of the spectrum, the end of the Kings game, you put Sabon, or uh, I'm sorry, you put Nurkic back in, and he makes like a half dozen plays to help you win the game. Yeah. So there's a balance. Yeah, there, there's there's a balance, and I, and I think what I like is is maybe more than at any point in the last couple of years, the Suns have the roster flexibility within a game, within a week, within a month to do both, right? Like, I, I feel like for the first time, certainly since last year, they have a kind of roster that is set up that if they want to go small, they can go small. They know what the liabilities are, but they can do it. If they want to go big, they can go big. They know what the liabilities are, but I think they can kind of do a little bit more of a mixing and matching. Almost Look at like Milwaukee a, in the NBA Finals against them. What did the Milwaukee do to win the finals. Took out their center and they went with Giannis up to five. Yeah. They brought him out early. They brought him in those late first quarters and they demolished them over that time. Remember how hypothetical we talked about like Torrey Craig at the five or Kevin Durant at the five last year? It can't be hypothetical anymore. It's got to be something that's been proven in the regular season that you can turn to and we need to see more of but it. But that's what I like about Frank Vogel over Monty. Exactly. Yeah. There's a willingness to try that now to see how it works and when it works. Have to. And Monty didn't really do that all that. He just didn't seem that committed to trying it in the regular season the way Frank is committed to trying it. It needed to, to be a last-ditch effort. Yeah. yeah. All right, leave us with this one. Last one. Uh, my eyes tell me the fourth quarters have been better as no. of late. Your numbers are saying, no, the fourth quarters have not been better as of oh, late. They've and actually been to get slightly better, worse. Which blows me away. Crazy. Been, right? Because my eyes are telling me, oh, yeah, they've been better in the There's fourth There's a number quarters. of games where they've been even with other teams. Sure. But they're also, they've, been, they've had the lead in a bunch of these games too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the 14 and 15 stretch uh, comparing those numbers to the 19 and 7 stretch in the fourth quarter, the numbers are pretty much identical and as you know, the 14 and 15 stretch, historically bad fourth quarters. These last 27 games, can they be top 20 in net rating in the fourth quarter? Just top 20. I'm not asking top 10, top 5, just top 20. Can you be below average in the fourth quarter? If they can't, I'm not going to pick them to win a playoff series. I can't do it. To you, win a playoff series. Don't care who going, they're playing. Going you into to win the postseason. You need to be able to win in the fourth quarter. If they don't finish with a top 20 net not rating in these last 27 games, okay. Wow. Not doing you won't it. Pick them Kevin Durant could be averaging 40 points a game. I'm not doing I, it. I, there's a lot of reasons to why they have these fourth quarter woes. A yeah. lot of reasons. Turnovers, not having a true point guard. I think fatigue's a factor. They've had a lot of heavy minutes on their main guys. and There's games that they should have won and been able to rest these guys like they did against Detroit. They rested everybody. For, they haven't been able to do that very often this year. I know we got to go to break, but seven-game series, how many of those games are close in the fourth quarter? Five? Six? Yeah. Almost, every single one? Almost all of them. Yeah, most of them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's it. All right, Kellen. Even uh, if you're up 15, they cut it to six. How do they respond? If you want to read yeah, more in just... depth about this, go to ArizonaSports.com. That's where you find Kellen's piece. We made it the centerpiece of our conversation with him. He's also got his podcast, Empire of the Suns, dropping a little bit later today. Kellen, as always, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. Kellen Olson, Suns guru, joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. When we come back, the last time the Arizona Diamondbacks dipped into the pitching free agent market or acquired a big name, it didn't work out so great. Tell us that Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be different and better than Madison Bumgarner. We will try to do that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. (laughs) 
Coyotes versus the Leafs. Pre-game tonight at 7.30 on Arizona Sports 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. All right, back here on the Burns and Gambo show on this Wednesday afternoon. Diamondbacks Cactus League schedule starts later on this week. You and I will be out there two or three times over the course of the month of March. And, of course, our level of excitement about Diamondbacks baseball this year, it's its hard to measure. Coming off of what happened last year, it seems like just yesterday we were talking about this team in the World Series and chronicling that run and talking about it every day and just having a blast doing it. And they went out and they made themselves better. How much better, we'll see. But there's no doubt there was a reinvestment there was a no doubt they got better and certainly the key guy to it or one of the key guys to that is Eduardo Rodriguez huge pitcher they signed as a free agent Mm -hmm. from the Detroit Tigers Um, there was a conversation this morning on the MLB network in which they showed side by side the stats of Madison Bumgarner and his final two seasons before he came here, and Eduardo Rodriguez in his final two seasons before he came here, innings per start, about the same. ERA, about the same. ERA plus, about the same. The contract was about the same. They later went on to have this exchange on the MLB Network today. Yeah, I I mean, I like what they've done a lot. Um, I think it's an interesting comp you make between when they brought in Madison Bumgarner and Erod. Without looking at it, I know that uh, Bumgarner was 30 when he went there, but he had a lot of innings, and they were stress innings, right? Those Herculean performances in the World Series and the postseason for those great Giants teams. I think he had almost 2,000 innings, big league innings at the time that he signed. I'm guessing Erod's total is lower. Similar ages, but lower total, like you said. Yeah, okay. And because Erod also missed almost the entire 2022 season dealing with personal matter and then, you know, exercised his option to bolt and leave the Tigers high and dry. I think there was a, one of the things, a lot of wear and tear on Bumgarner's arm. Mm-hmm. A lot of postseason. Like, his arm got old quick. Yes, it did. It got old so fast. To the point where, like, for the last couple of years, look, it looked like a terrible signing almost from the get-go with Bumgarner. And it got, it got, it would, it would get worse and worse and worse to, we were talking about it two years ago, get off the contract, can you get off of it? Is there any way you could trade the guy? Is there, you're going to have to buy this guy out. We all knew two years ago that they were going to have to get rid of him. That there was no way he was going to finish that contract. He couldn't throw. And no velocity. Throwing batting practice out there. That's not Eduardo Rodriguez. I think much different player at a much different time. Yeah, it's, I get it. The Diamondbacks don't dip their toes into this part of free agency very often, and the last time they did it, quite frankly, for being honest, many of the times they choose to spend this kind of money on players, they they, they don't have a great track record. Now, a lot of that was pre-Mike Hazen, so I want to give them kind of extra credit or not mark against them because of that, that they just haven't done it a whole lot under Mike. Um, but certainly, I think Mad Bum, in some ways, it was a very different situation. I, I think part of it, too, with Mad Bum was that when things were went south they they i don't think he was willing to listen to how to fix it and i think that made it very difficult for everybody to coexist you know like it was hey try this hey try that and i think he was kind of willing to try some of it Dan Heron, but he wasn't really willing yeah. to fully invest himself into the things they wanted him to do cause problems that, that made it really difficult cause problems right? in the organization there were people that were hired you know one specifically is dan Heron, who's a great baseball mind you know and and had suggestions on how to he didn't want to do it he was stubborn as a mule 
stubborn as a mule. Madison Bumgarner did not want to take the advice, did not want to take the information that they were giving him. Just felt like I know how to do everything. You were you were changing. You were just you were changing as a pitcher. You didn't have any velocity anymore. You weren't getting anybody out. He was very reluctant to change, and it caused problems in that organization. Yeah, there was a lot of conversation, a lot of discourse today on the MLB Network about this. And, and for the record, I I I I am not anticipating an Eduardo Rodriguez problem like there was a Mad Bum problem. I think he's going to fit in very well, and I think the situations are very very different. It's helped by the fact that the Diamondbacks just went to the World Series, and there's going to be that kind of internal desire to get back. There. That's not the same team that Mad Bum was joining when he came here all those years ago. There was also a lot of conversation about Gabriel Moreno. Gabriel Moreno. Obviously, we talked about Corbin Carroll a lot last year. I think he overshadowed what a good catcher Gabby Moreno was. Look at that record with him in the starting lineup. We talked about 84 wins for them. That's almost a 100-win pace in the games he played and the youngest catcher to start in the World Series since Buster Posey. So I think he's going to help that pitching staff as well. If you're watching us on, on uh, the, the website, you see Gambo over here shaking Just, his head. Wow. You're not shaking your head in a bad way. You're shaking your head in a wow way, no, I can tell. Listen, there's a lot of... Um, Luis Gonzalez came out the other day and said Corbin Carroll will, could go down as the best Diamondback player of all time. Yes. A lot to, to consider. Randy Johnson won four Cy Young Awards. That's pretty good. Is there any doubt in your mind that Gabriel Moreno is going to be the best catcher that this organization has ever had? Um, very little doubt in my mind. Uh, only Miggy Montero, Miguel Montero was a good well, catcher. Though, okay, Miguel was pretty good. He was a good catcher. He was a, he was a good offensive catcher. I think Gabby Moreno is much stronger defensively. Perfect blend of the two. I mean, Miguel nothing. Miguel was a great bat, a great stick in the middle of that lineup. He was not a shred of the defensive catcher that Gabriel Moreno no, is. I mean, I'm not even stud. close. This kid's a stud. I, I, you know, uh, Dalton Varsho, a good play. I can't believe that Mike Hazen got uh, Lords Goriel and Gabriel Moreno for Dalton Varsho. I mean, it is what a great trade by Mike Hazen. Gabriel Moreno is going to go down as the best catcher they've ever had. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he stats I'm looking at on a sportsillustrated.com story right now. Uh, 20 defensive runs saved, uh, led all of Major League Baseball in defensive war at the catcher's position. Um, and the pitching staff obviously likes him very much. And that was a good biscuit right there, Keith, on Moreno, because if you pull that out and you give him more time behind home plate, win totals go up. You know, that kind of number right there jumps out when Adley Rushman started catching for the Orioles. And you saw what happened with the win-losses by the club. Now, that's not called the war, the dreaded wins above replacement, but there's something that is not lying about when a dude squats behind home plate and has the command of a pitching staff or has the confidence of the pitching staff, they win more games. Now, I'll say this. That same story on Sports Illustrated kind of took a stab at trying to figure out how he was Jack Summers over at SI.com on how much Gabriel Moreno could potentially make if they try to sign him this offseason. They guessed about $45 million might kind of eat up a lot of the early years of arbitration for him, and maybe that would be enough of an incentive for him to want to sign something long-term that would make him more money than he would if he went to the And that would buy out two years of free agency. That would, well, it would add his suggestion was to add a couple like option years 
years for free agency. So where potentially he like could make that million money. a year. Like $16 million a year, I okay. think, is what it was for okay. him to buy out his... his I'm, I'm looking at it if I'm hazing. I'm looking at it. Don't you? Ha- I think you have to, right? That's, that's the way teams like the D-backs are going to be able to keep great young talent. Yeah. Uh, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show with the second half, I keep calling it that, I know it's not, second half of the NBA season starting tomorrow for the Phoenix Suns. Where are they relative to the teams in the West? Are they championship-level contender? Is there more work to be done? We'll talk about that coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. Hey, everybody. Dan Bickley here. Day three of Newsmakers is Thursday. Do not miss a minute. Join us at 6 a.m. on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, the competition in the Western Conference is fierce. And uh, but it's something that we welcome. You know, I, I think honestly, I, I think having it uh, having it be that fierce and have these regular season games uh, be so intense are only going to help us uh, help prepare us for the the playoffs and help us have have success during that that run. So, you know, we we embrace it, we welcome it, and uh, feel very confident that we're going to come out on top. That was Frank Vogel this morning as a guest of the Bickley and Murata show. He was uh, one of the guests this morning as part of Newsmakers Week. You heard Bickley talking about it. Just a second ago there, uh, coming out of the commercial break, Newsmakers Week continues for Bickley and Murata tomorrow. Uh, but Frank Vogel was on today talking about his team's chances in the West. And uh, as we, you know, one more day, and then the Suns are back at it, and they, they get very busy very quickly in the to start the last 27 games of the season. They got the Mavs on Thursday. They got the Rockets on Friday. They got the Lakers on Sunday. It's like bang, bang, bang. Then they have a few days off, and then it's the Rockets. The real meat part of the final 27 games kicks in around the beginning of March when they start double-dipping with Boston and Denver and Oklahoma City and all that. They'll get tested right away with the Dallas Mavericks. The question that we kind of all want to know, Gambo, and and we're all trying to figure it out. Like Everyone's kind of broken it up into tiers, right? Tier one, tier two, tier three. Uh Everybody's trying to figure out who's capable of winning a championship, who's good enough to win a championship. It's pretty obvious that no matter which of these articles you click on, there's a belief that there is this upper-level tier, you know, maybe even a couple of upper-level tiers. That the Suns are not in. That the Suns are not in yet. I don't get it. I do. Maybe it's the red. I mean, I I watch the Suns play, and I'm like, they could beat anybody. But I see the turnover problem. I see the fourth-quarter woes. I see the record against 500 teams. I understand the health concerns. So I'm not oblivious to it. I'm not oblivious to it. But I still think, man, if they go into the playoffs healthy with Durant, Booker, Beal, Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Royce O'Neal, Eric Gordon, they're going to be, they can win. Like, they can win and they can go deep. The the latest ESPN story, teams that can win the 2024 title, one team stood alone, that was the Boston Celtics. The next tier was the Nuggets, the Clippers, and the Milwaukee Bucks, who can't even win basketball games with Doc Rivers as their coach. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Right? The Bucks. Uh-huh. And then there's tier three, and this is where they have six teams listed, including Phoenix, Philly, Oklahoma City, New York, Minnesota, and Cleveland. Those are the teams all listed in that tier three. They call them the hopefuls. I, I'll let you explain why you don't. You think that maybe they belong here. I just, I just see that I think they're better than these teams. I, I, look, I, I'm actually. I, <laughs> 
I'm going to use a, a similar ranking to yours. And actually, yours kind of tells the same story. I almost think the Suns are in their own category. And I, I, I really believe the incomplete this. incomplete category? Yeah, well, no, I won't call it that, although we had that conversation yesterday. I feel like if you look at the Vegas odds, and Kellen Olsen did this at ArizonaSports.com, there are four clear favorites among Vegas. Clear. And it's the four teams you mentioned. Boston, Denver, Clippers and the Bucks. Those are the four odds-on favorite to win a championship right now. Then there's a big gap, and there's the Suns. And they're kind of by themselves. And then there's a big gap, and there's all the teams that you're talking about, the Knicks and the Cavs and OKC and Minnesota and all that. But none of those teams... I mean, the Suns were in the NBA Finals a couple of years ago, but a completely different team. So maybe the Suns could be in that category. But, like, Cleveland hasn't proven anything. Minnesota hasn't proven anything. The Knicks haven't proven anything. 76ers haven't they proven have anything. Embiid, and they don't have Joel I think the Sixers would be higher if they had Joel Embiid. But that's my point, is that I don't think the Suns belong with the group of favorites, partially because I haven't seen enough of them head-to-head against those guys to put them there. Okay. But I also don't think they belong in the category with the Cavs and the Knicks because I think they're infinitely more talented than those teams. I think they kind of belong in this little special spot they've got to kind of to themselves, right? Like, okay, win a few games against those top four teams— and I'll be more than happy to say you belong there. But at this point, I'm also more than happy to say you're better than the Knicks. And you're better than than some of those other teams whose odds aren't quite as long. I think the Suns are firmly in the middle of those two. And I think that, does that make sense? I think that's where they belong. I mean, it does. I still think that, like, the even though they're having great years, that the jury is still somewhat out on the T-Wolves. Totally. And the Thunder. Totally. I think the jury still kind of, they're having great years. I, there's no doubt about it. Like Rudy Gobert, that when they made that trade a year ago, everybody's laughing at that trade. Oh, Ainge suckered them. That trade looks great for them right now. The guy's going to win his fourth Defensive Player of the Year award. They're playing really well. So I do, but I just not having seen them really do it in like the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Make it hard for me to say, okay, I think that, you know, I think that they're going to go far. I think they're going to win it all. I just don't, I'm just not there with those teams. If the Suns, the Suns are what, 19 and 7 since Christmas. They're a top 10 offensive team since Christmas. They're a top 10 defensive team since Christmas. If they keep that up against the schedule that they have, they will very, very, very quickly find themselves mentioned in the tier where you think they belong. I I just want to see them do it against those teams before I christen them like that because we just don't have a lot of evidence to that. You know, we just we just don't have a lot of head to head for the Suns against the very elite in the NBA when the Suns are playing at their best to know for sure where they belong. And that's all I want before I elevate them or move them down on the list. I just want to see how they do against those teams. What is the Vegas odds right now? Vegas odds are it's it's uh, well, do you have it? Because you just said Kellen had it, right? Yeah. I, I see. Okay, the, here it is. Uh, according to FanDuel, okay. Boston's plus 230. Denver's plus 440. The Clippers are plus 500. The Bucks are plus 650. Where are, are the Suns? Plus 1400. Okay. Lauren, write that down and save that for us. I want to see where they are after they play some of these big games. Do they go up or down? My prediction is that that number's going to be better. Like it's going to be better than plus 1,400. So right now, today, on February 
21st. The Suns are plus 1,400, and there are how many teams ahead of them? There are four teams ahead of them. Four teams ahead of them. And Just then the, write that down, because I want to periodically check in on this. Let's see where the two weeks, where are they going to be? Four weeks. And then going into the playoffs, what is that number going to be? Mm-hmm. I want to see, because I think it'll improve. Because the gap, and this is what I mean by the gap. It's a big gap. The, the, the Suns are plus 1,400. The Knicks are next at plus 2,000. So it's almost like the Suns are on this little island of odds where you've got your four favorites and then it's the Suns and then there's another big gap and it's the Knicks and like you talk about the Thunder and the T-Wolves they're plus 2,500 the T-Wolves are plus 2,500 the Suns are a significantly better bet than Minnesota and Oklahoma City than two teams that have vastly better records Mm -hmm. than they do for exactly the same reasons that you just said there's a lot of Oklahoma City's really young how are they going to react in the moment Minnesota's not a team that's got a long history of great postseason success recently. There's questions about them. Now, the Suns were really, really young when they got to the NBA Finals. Buck, Aiton, Kale, Cam. Only old guy was Chris Paul. They were really young, and they made it all the way to the NBA Finals. Now, they caught some breaks along the way with all the injuries that everybody in the West had. And they played Milwaukee, and Mikhail Bridges thought they were done when it was up to nothing. <laughs> Mikhail. He was, Mikhail. He was sizing up his the, ring. The, 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 next time, the next time you have those thoughts, Mikhail, do, do yeah. us a solid. And he was looking at the routes for the victory parade. Keep it to yourself. Yeah, it's funny. So Kellen just actually, he's eavesdropping on the show, and he just sent me some of the odds for the Phoenix Suns. They were among the favorites in the NBA, but they had that awful December, and they plummeted. So what they need to do is kind of rebuild their reputation after the way they played in December. And you're right. If they, I want to see where it is. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a good barometer to look at. Let's see where they are after they play some of these tougher games. April 1st is a great barometer, because by then, they will have gotten through a big chunk of those really awful, tough That's games in the month of March. April 1st? Yeah. It'll be here before you know it, brother. It's just going blink of an eye. It'll be here just like that. I know. Just like that. It'll be here. I know. Look at you. One day you were you were in school plagiarizing papers, and now you're going to be a grandfather. Oh, no, we got to bring that up. No, I mean, just think how big that happened from the top. Like, you were plagiarizing and papers in high school? And everything in between that and now, and now is just a total a blur. Absolute. Just a blur. Absolute blur. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, why one NFL insider thinks the New England Patriots are crazy for taking a quarterback, and why another NFL insider is trying to figure out what it means that Justin Fields just unfollowed the Bears Rawr. on social media. Lauren, our producer... Had the Whoa. hardest time in the world cutting up this sound for you today, by the way. It just killed her. Next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Hey, it's Wolf. Wide receiver? Trade back? Or a total surprise? What are the Arizona Cardinals going to do with the fourth overall pick? We get going tomorrow at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Hey, Monty, how about a hint? Everybody communicates passive-aggressively through social media. You're right. An unfollow is like, I mean, that's like screaming. That's screaming how I'm feeling. Right. All right, and, and it's unfortunate for the guy because you know what? How many times do we talk about when you're talking about quarterbacks all the time, about guys being set up for success? We know he wasn't set up for success in Chicago, yet everyone, everyone is like, well, Barb, we were just talking about it. Hit the reset button. Hit the reset. We get the rookie contract. We can start over. Sell hope. It's the offseason. He's getting caught up in that vortex. That was Lewis Riddick this morning on Get Up. Justin Fields unfollowed the Chicago Bears on social media. 
Came into work today. I, can I tell, you, I tell you in the audience a story? Okay. Came into work today. I usually get in a little bit before you. Um, and Lauren's over at her desk, and, and Mitch is out sick again today. So Lauren is is doing the and doing a fantastic job, by the way, of doing the both, best. both jobs at the same time. Um, and I'm like, she had this stressed look on her face. She's a resident Chicago Bears fan. Is everything all right? You look stressed. Kimba wanted me to cut up this sound from Lewis Riddick talking about Justin Fields unfollowing the Chicago Bears, and it's kind of it just broke me, your heart. It's kind of got me down. It just broke your heart. <laughs> it's like this is really tough. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I should have just walked out right then. No yeah. producers today for the Burns and Gambo show. You yeah, guys can figure it out on us? your own. Oh yeah, that would have been fantastic. That'd have been great. There's, there's a ray of hope. You want, you want me to give you the ray of hope? There's a ray of hope. I would love a ray of hope, Gamba. February 7th, 2022. Anybody know what happened that day? February 7th, 2022. Yeah. You can't say as a do, no. Kyla Murray unfollows Cardinals on social media, deletes all franchise-related pictures on Instagram. <laughs> February 7th. Well played, Jambo. Well Kyla played. Murray unfollows Cardinals on social media, deletes all franchise-related pictures on Instagram. Where's Kyla? Who's, who's Kyla Murray playing for right now? He played for the Arizona Cardinals. Okay. Very happily so, by the way, I might add. Okay, but but I hear what you're saying, and it's an excellent point. But at the same time, I also understand the personal little hell that Lauren's going through. Because think about how much time mm-hmm. we spent talking about Kyla Murray and his social media habits when he did that, right? It was a topic, a mind-numbing topic, I might add, for days weeks, months. Oh my God, he's unfollowed them. He scrubbed them. Remember that? I've never used the word scrubbed that much in my life. He scrubbed them. Scrubbed it. Scrubbed them. Uh You know, like we were- That's what guys do now. We were cleaning a bathroom or something. Kyler Murray has scrubbed his social media of the Arizona Cardinals. And to your point, hey, happy ending. He's here. He's happy. They're happy with him. He's happy with them. I don't think we feel this is how this is going to end for Justin Fields. In fact, I, I had read he wants to stay in Chicago. I'm sure he does. He said it. He wants to stay. I'm, I'm sure. Well, and here's Justin Fields from the 33rd Team podcast today on why he unfollowed the Bears. And this is uh, Amon Ra St. Brown and Equinamia St. Brown's podcast. And this is Justin Fields on that podcast. Bro, I'm glad we're talking about it because people, why do people take social media so serious? Like, why you unfollowing the Bears? This and that. Like, I still mess with the Bears. This and that. I'm just trying to take a little break. I unfollow the Bears and the NFL, bro. I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. <laughs> I don't buy it for one second. What, that he's unfollowing them because he just wants to take a break from football? Yeah, I don't want everything on my timeline. I like, I don't think I, I don't buy that as the reasoning. Okay. You didn't think that it would raise like all this crazy speculation oh, if course. you unfollowed the team that's paying you? Of course. That drafted you, that you knew. play for? Yeah, he knew. Oh, I just wanted a break from my timeline. Really? Yeah. The yeah, draft no. is coming up in April? He knows. He knows. Not only does he you know, know free that. free agency? You want a break from all of that? I, I, I think it was Albert Breer who wrote that, and it was at the beginning of the week, I think I sent everybody on the team the story, that Justin Fields, a decision on Justin Fields' future could be coming soon. Next couple of weeks soon. The teams before, right? You're nodding your head. Did you, did, because the Bears made the trade for the number one pick last year with the Panthers during the combine, which is starting next Monday. Okay, so, so the timeline lines the up. The timeline perfectly. matches up really well. I mean, NFL free agency starts in about three weeks, give or take. I'd have to look at the exact date, but it's about three weeks. If you're a team 
before you go shopping for Kirk Cousins, before you wait to see if Russell Wilson gets caught or if Baker Mayfield doesn't get re-signed and you want to address the quarterback, let's be honest, Justin Fields is probably the best option out there if you're not going to draft a quarterback because you want to make a stealing. change of quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. I would much rather have just Justin Fields than Russell Wilson. By a country mile. By a country mile. I'd, I'd rather, rather have Justin Fields. Justin Fields and Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. By a country mile. Any of the any of those guys. Yeah. Any of those guys that are market. I'd I'd rather have Fields because I think there's I mean look, he was the number eleven pick. He's really shown some he's been in the league for three years. He's shown a lot of good flashes. Not great, but enough to where somebody should say, Okay, your loss is my gain. I'll take a chance. Now, the reality is that the Bears know what they're doing, and they don't think he's going to be great because you know who gets rid of great quarterbacks in this league? Nobody. Um, very rarely does that ever happen unless it's a fluke situation like the Chargers having Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers at the same time. Yeah, no, it doesn't happen very often. I, I tell you, this does impact the Cardinals, at least in one regard that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay. If Justin Fields goes to a team that maybe would move up to get a quarterback by making a trade with the Cards in the draft. If if New England, uh, New England, uh, Atlanta, uh, Pittsburgh, oh, okay. the one Raiders, of the, the one, of the, one of those teams behind okay. them in the draft. Like if if he goes to the Falcons, the, the Falcons don't need to move up to get a quarterback at number. At least you wouldn't think they would, because you would think they would have gotten out and gotten their guy. I, I think that that potentially free agency, depending on where Cousins goes, what happens with Russell Wilson, could impact a few of the teams that might potentially move up with the Cardinals the, in the draft. The question really becomes if Justin Fields was in this draft right now, where would he go? And that will ultimately determine what these teams do. If you think that he's not better than Drake May, Caleb Williams, and Jaden Daniels, you may want to try to move up. If if you know if you think he is better than Jaden Daniels or Drake May, you might try to get him. Yeah. So I do think that's you know where if he was in this draft right now, where would you take the guy? That's what some GMs will question. More Lewis Riddick from Get Up Today on Fields. Now I know Chicago knows more about him than any of us do. They know more about what his ultimate upside more than any of us do. But I'll tell you what, there will be no one in the NFL who I'm cheering for harder mm-hmm. in 2024 than this guy. Mm-hmm. And I hope there are two teams in particular, we'll talk about them ad nauseum between now and the draft, that I hope he goes to. Because if he goes to one of these two teams, <clears throat> Justin Fields, Pittsburgh, but, Atlanta, one of those two teams, if he goes there, look out. Interesting to hear Lewis Riddick almost paint this picture of Justin Fields as, I hate to use the word a victim, you know, because he's a millionaire athlete, but like kind of caught up in a set of circumstances where, hey, under almost any other circumstances, you'd get another year to prove yourself in Chicago, but because they've got the number one pick from this deal they made a year ago, and because of all the reasons why they might want to move on from you, you're you're kind of, you're getting shipped out and maybe you don't quite have it coming right now, you know? like And, and now you got Lewis Riddick saying, I'm going to root for him. I'm going to root for him where he goes. I hope he does well. I hope he proves Chicago that they've made a mistake I'm by giving up on him. I'm going to root for him too. All right? I'm going to root for him. No matter where he goes? Yeah. What if he goes to the Vikings? I'll still root for him, just not the rest of the Vikings. You'll want him to do well? All right, if he goes to the Packers, no. But he's not going to the Packers. He's going to the Packers. They got a great young quarterback in Jordan Love, Burnsy's favorite. Oh, God, who's the best thing ever. (laughs) Don't we love Jordan Love on this show? Gambo's got it. There are two things I've quickly come to understand that Gambo crushes on. Men's basketball at U of A is one, and Jordan Love is number two. Those are his, outside of his wife and his children, I do believe those are Gambo's. These are a few it's of my favorite Jake things. Lamb and Cam Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, U of A basketball for sure. 
Not Jordan Love? You wouldn't put Jordan, Jordan Love, Love I think. Yeah, I would like, I w- if I was doing fantasy football next year, I would take Jordan Love as my quarterback. Out of your heart or your head or both? Like, I'd be, I'd have no problem with him being a top five. I know Josh Allen kills it in fantasy football because he, I would take Jordan Love as a top five quarterback in fantasy football next year. Okay. When top we co- five. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we're not going to have the four o'clock reset for you today. Uh, all apologies. We thought we were going to have Thaddeus Young from the Suns. We're still going to have Thaddeus Young from the Suns. We just think he's going to join us at about 4.15 or so. And it's going to be, we believe, his first interview with the media since he chose the Suns in the buyout market. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the Arizona Diamondbacks. They are improved. Everybody knows it. The problem is, everybody also knows that the team that is more improved is the team that's in their division, which is kind of a problem. We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show.